Okay, hello and welcome to our first episode of our new podcast, Thelma and Tom Look Left. So hi Thelma, how are you today? Oh, I'm good Tom, how are you? I'm okay thanks, yeah, I'm a bit, little bit nervous, you know, first podcast and... Uh, yeah, it's exciting though, isn't it? It is I'm, really I'm exciting. Really excited. Yeah, I'm excited about today and future episodes with our guests. Oh my, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so um, Thelma, we had a plan for this podcast. I, I did, um, I've done a lot of research on making podcasts because I'm a bit of a nerd. And one of the things you are supposed to do is have a really good plan and uh, stick to it. Uh, so what we've decided to do is uh, abandon the plan and, <laughs> and just go for it because things have happened and uh, you know what we can't just um, uh, let things slip through our fingers well we that's politics and that's life isn't it Tom <laughs> it seems that way and I, 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 I just felt like it would be wrong in a way just to I'm going to talk about the plan later if we get back to it but these things are quite important and quite interesting so I, I want to start by asking you about the two or three things that have been in the news this week Thelma just to see what you think really um so you know the first thing which knocked me a bit was the Peter Madison being back, brought back into the into the organisation. Yeah, I, I mean it's like Prince of Darkness meets Prince of Blandness, isn't it? Really. <laughs> <laughs> <It's kind> of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you really. Um, I was kind of surprised about it, but I've had a feeling for some time that um, the uh, elder. Uh, statesmen, uh, many of whom are in the Lords, uh, have been having some influence there um, on the direction of the Labour front bench. And um, in some ways, I mean, I don't know Peter Mandelson. He's very experienced. I'm sure he's very intelligent and skilled. Um, But what strikes me with the, as I say, older statesmen, um, is that they are harking back to the halcyon days, if you like, you know, those golden years when it was all very exciting. They were the people of the moment. It was, was it 18 years of Tory rule they were following and, and society um, was ready. It was, the, you know, the, the, the people of the, of the moment. And Tony Blair was, a, you know, and is a great orator, uh, very good interpersonal skills um, and a strong leader, and he, he was the man of the time. And he and people like Peter Mandelson are, are looking back on that golden period, I think. And I, I always think it's about knowing when to let go. Mm. And what I'm worried about with this is that um, somebody like Peter Mandelson will um be advising but based on that experience from a different time i mean what we're facing at the moment i i mean it's nearly 11 years now of austerity of cuts uh, to the public sector and public services we've got the pandemic society is different very mm. different mm. and people's needs society's needs are very different yeah um, and i mean the thing with him he was the staunchest supporter of the free market and that is just not what is right for these times we need investment in the public sector mm. investment in our society um support uh, for those that are most vulnerable 
Um, and I, I just don't believe that he is a person that should be advising care at the moment. Um, and I, I do believe we've got a group of people, as I say, uh, some of whom are in the Lords, who, who want to kind of repeat their golden years and it's it's not the same I, I always have to use a kind of education analogy really and it's a bit like when I was head of a small village school my first headship I went to a, a bigger school in a deprived area with a shore star and tried to replicate at first mm, mm. the same things and it didn't work because yeah. it was a different community and a different staff and yeah. um, I don't think they realize that which smacks to me of arrogance um, yeah, do you, really? think, do you think that, oh, I, I don't know, I suppose, I, I, maybe they're all sincerely trying to do their best, but I, I do sometimes wonder whether there's some kind of underlying thing going on here. I, I, I'll come straight out with it, Thelma. I, I, think, they're, I think they're just trying to annoy the left and get rid of them. Uh, I don't yeah. know, do, do you ever think that? Um, I think the, I think there's been a direct policy. If you, oh, just look at what's happened um, to enrage the left um, and and to make the left uh, force the left out. Well, it's one thing of, after another, though. One, th- one thing after the other. I mean, the what started for me with the uh, treatment of um, Rebecca Long Bailey, um, a shadow education secretary, abstaining on human rights votes, and then of course the treatment of Jeremy, um, uh, just. You know, it's which actually brings me to what's happening with Liverpool at the moment with the, with the with the uh, mayoral um, election and yeah. that that's been suspended and the the candidates are being re-interviewed. Well, yeah. that again is another thing where you've got to question what is going on. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I'll tell, so I'll tell I think you, you're yeah. quite right, Tom. You know that maybe there has been a, a policy, but I think it's massively backfiring. Well, we'll see. On, on that Liverpool mayor thing, Thelma, I, I'd done a bit of reading up about it and um, Squawk Box, where I read this, uh, say, don't jump to conclusions on this because the, the, the right-wing candidate, um, I think she's called Anne, Anne O'Byrne, uh, she, um, she's got some c- connections to some quite questionable financial dealings that have gone on over the last two or three years and they are people are speculating that that is actually the problem not the fact that they want to get rid of the um corbyn uh, candidate well i really hope you're right tom I, you know I'd, I'd like to think that you know they were justified in suspending the election because of that um, and you know, I would support that if there, if there is any kind of dodgy dealings having been going on. But um, uh, for me, it just—I I don't know. It was just after the left-wing candidate had uh, given her support for uh, the return of the whip to Jeremy yeah. when I read about the suspension. So yeah. I suppose I was adding two and two, and making five. Maybe. Oh, you're not the only one. Uh, Loads of people have, and, but, and also. But she was in the she was so far ahead in the polls. Yeah. What does it matter if what if one of the candidates that were losing had some dodgy dealing going on? If if they did, um, they were going to lose anyway. So they could have just carried on. But um, yeah. I, yeah, people are saying it looks like it's a decision uh, to enable a bit more time to see if they can somehow get rid of the uh, left wing candidate. 
We'll, yeah. we'll just have to see. I mean, this is something we can come back to next week. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but it's just another example of, of what you raised before about enraging the left. And, um, and, and then, of course, people tend to overreact and it's almost like uh, left-wing people are being provoked um, in, in a way. And I think it's calm heads um, very often as well. Um, when, you know, if we are on the left being purposefully uh, provoked, um, I'd like to think not. But if you look at the pattern of oh. what's been going on and, and local democracy as well, you know, if you look at the CLPs and the, how the meetings are, are being run, uh, yeah. it's local and national level, really, that, that we're seeing democracy threatened yeah. um, at the moment, which is one of the major reasons. That I mean, it, uh, on, on Twitter... In. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, no, no. On, on Twitter this morning, uh, the, some of the uh, stuff coming out of Liverpool is uh, hilarious about, uh, you know, uh, you know you, we've defeated Thatcher, we've defeated the Sun. How come Keir Starmer thinks he can, uh, you know, take on Liverpool? I mean... <laughs> I love Liverpool. <laughs> I always loved conference, Labour conference at Liverpool. You just feel, I don't know, I used to feel at home and warm welcome there and really good socialists. And uh, yeah, uh, you, yeah, Liverpoolians are brilliant. <laughs> I mean, it, and that's from a, a Mancunian, huge... Tom. Yeah, that's yeah, from yeah. a Mancunian. <laughs> I mean, it'll be a huge, it would be a huge, huge thing, wouldn't it? If that if that um, uh, election got annulled or whatever, they changed the candidate. I, I don't. I honestly don't think Liverpool are going to take that sitting down, and that that could easily be the start of the beginning of the end. Really, couldn't it? Um, I I think it's. I call it another nail in the coffin. You know. Um, I I think it's uh, it's quite interesting for me not being in the party. I mean, I'm still sad about it, but. Um, you can be, you can stand back a little bit and mm. and observe, um, and and yes, now I'm I'm a commentator. That's all, you know. But I, mm. but I do feel it's based on years of activism, and of course, um, for the two and a half years being an MP as well, you know. So I, I do have some insight, and uh, it's it's quite interesting watching what's at play at the moment. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and and on a similar vein, really the the. The reports this this week that, uh, that there are estimates now of 120,000 people having left the Labour Party mm. since uh, since the election, which is yeah. huge. I mean, it's still there's, it's still got a big membership. Let's not fool ourselves. Mm. But that's in terms of money, that's five million pound a year they've lost mm. in subs. Um, yeah, but that was the difference under Jeremy. You see, it was all in small small donations from ordinary people mm. um but there were so many people joined um you know un under jeremy corbyn um we weren't reliant on the big donors um it was the hard-working activists and um as i say ordinary people who gave the money and gave it willingly and sometimes a disproportionate amount to, to what they actually had uh, because they you know, they, they believed in that socialism and social justice and in our manifesto policies. Um, it really saddens me, and I'm one of the that hundred and odd thousand that, that have, have left. Um, I think it's, it's gone in stages, though, you know. Um, I think it's, it's very sad, um, but I, I've said it before in previous interviews that it may sound harsh, but I, I think the Labour brand... Um, has been tainted now 
and I, I actually can't see a future for, for Labour as a party as it is now um, with, without uh, open selection, without uh, PR. Um, the boundary reviews are coming up, um, which will mean the Tories will, will, will obviously to the Tories' advantage and Labour will lose the chance of more seats. I, I just can't see a future for the party the way it is at the moment when, without electoral reform and without a change in the PRP, to be honest. Yeah, well, we're going to obviously hopefully spend quite a lot of time discussing this over the over the weeks that ahead, uh, hopefully with, with guests uh, get try and get right into this and see what, what's really going on. Um, one of the last points on that issue, which I'm interested to ask you really, Thelma, because you, you've had practical experience with this, a lot of the stuff I see on Twitter, uh, um, there are a lot of people always saying that it's the left-wing activists in the Labour Party that do all the door-knocking and do all the uh, leafleting and all the behind-the-scenes work, and these are the very people that are leaving, and this is going to make a difference. I mean, what, what do you feel about it? Is that true? I, I, I actually think that is true, to be honest. My experience, I have to speak, obviously, from my own CLP and, and being a member, uh, first in Stockport and then, and then in uh, Cone Valley, um, that it is largely, uh, in my experience, um, the left-wingers that were willing to give the time and the commitment um, and, to, and to do the door knocking. I think I think what shifted as well, though. I mean, I've always been um, left wing, more so as I'm getting older, actually. Um, but um, I think that um, some some of the activists, like myself, over the years, we've kind of gritted our teeth, even if we didn't um, believe in all of the policies in the manifesto. Like in two thousand and fifteen, I I, I door knocked and I, and I worked hard as with others on the left even if some of the policies I was kind of, oh, right, that's a bit of a fudge. Um, but the shift now is it's almost like the left are saying we've, we've done that for years. We've seen, we've seen how it can be under Jeremy Corbyn and, and the manifesto that we had. We've seen what it looks like to have that um, uh, democratic socialist um, manifesto. It can't be unseen now. So we're not going to door knock anymore on policies that we don't believe in. Um, and I think that's the difference. Um, so it's almost like a red line's been crossed now that mm. we've seen how it can be, mm. how we can have a fairer, more equal society. And those who in the past, like myself, have gritted teeth, door knocked and thought, blimey, what are we actually doing about rail and transport? You know, um, but now we've seen um how it how it can be as i say and people are saying no enough enough especially now we're going through this pandemic especially after nearly 11 years of austerity um as i mentioned before society's changed and the needs of ordinary people have changed and the pressure on ordinary people um so i think that's what's shifted going to get back to the plan uh, yeah, okay. that, that we so um, recklessly abandoned. And <laughs> I'm just going to uh, explain to uh, anyone who might be interested, uh, 
how this podcast came about. Um, so I, I, I'm not a political activist, really. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm an interested person. And um, I've been watching the last five years. Oh, I've been watching the last 65 years, actually. But the last five years in particular, I've been watching and um, I've become more and more horrified at the, uh, the mainstream media. And I've had a, a desire for a very long time to speak out and say things, but if, it's very difficult for the ordinary person to get that opportunity. Uh, and then I, I realised podcasts are, are, you know, something anybody can do, anybody can put together. So, yeah, that's going to be the way, that could be the way that I can get a voice. And, um, uh, and I thought, well, me on my own doing a podcast, no one's going to listen to that. I need someone with a bit of... Um, you know, a name. So I started looking around. It's hopeless. And then I, I was just watching Socialist Telly and, uh, and uh, Thelma was on. And they, uh, it was a good discussion. It was a really good episode. And I was watching, I was thinking, God, I, I reckon I could do a podcast with Thelma. And, um, and, uh, so, and then I, it ended and I couldn't get it out of my mind. And I thought that... that and... Um, Three or four days later, I thought, I'll blow it. I'll just, uh, I'll just message her. What's to lose? And um, I sent her a message saying, you know, would you be interested in doing a podcast? And she got back to me and said yes. And that's how this podcast came about. So uh, me and Thelma, we don't really know each other that well. We've spoke a bit on Zoom. That's all, really. Um, so we thought for our first podcast, we would ask each other a few questions and get to know each other. And also, anybody who wants to listen to the podcast or follow the podcast, it'll also give you a bit more insight into who we are and what we're about. So um, I'm going to go straight off with my first question to Thelma. And it is, are there any defining moments or events in your life when your political views became more crystallised? Mm. Yeah, uh... Yeah, the, I think um, the key one for me, um, which made me decide that I wanted to commit to uh, politics um, and to change and to socialism, um, was um, when I was a head teacher, my second headship, and um, Michael Gove, um, you know, Michael Gove, um, know Michael Gove. <laughs> became, <laughs> became Secretary of State for Education. Um, and at the time, um, I was um, head of a, a school in a very deprived area uh, with a Sure Start Centre. Um, and the Every Child Matters agenda um, was really getting embedded. And um, I had for, for a number of years just been so committed um, to, to that agenda and to working with the community and the families. And... Within a few weeks of Michael Gove uh, becoming Secretary of State, the culture changed. Every everything changed. Um, it, even letterheads, you know, coming from the uh, well, changed from children, families to Department for Education straight away. Every Child Matters was thrown out, um, and I, it just became um, a culture of targets and tests. And I realised, I thought, I can't change this as ahead from within I need to be out there to change it and I need to get engaged with in politics 
Um, and so I suppose it was it was that event. It was it was Michael Gove and the changing culture um, that made me think uh, I can't change this where I am now. I have to do it in a different way. Um, so yeah, that that when for was me that, was when was that Thelma? Um, so um, Michael Gove it was two thousand and ten, um, oh, okay. and then I I left. Two years later, when right. things really started, the academisation uh, was really, go, you know, ramping up. Um, uh, SATs, uh, you know, that, that very rigid curriculum was coming in. Uh, you know, all, all of the things that were, were you know, so I'm not saying all of it was negative, but it, it just wasn't the culture. It wasn't what I believed in. And it wasn't just education. It was other things as well. You know, public health, housing, all the things that were impacting the austerity mm. uh, policies were impacting so negatively on um, the communities I served as a, as a head teacher. And um, I thought, no, I, I need to change this. So the good, I mean, I've said this before, actually, um, that, that Michael Gove was one of the um, best recruiters um, of, of, from the teaching profession <laughs> for labour of anybody it was brutal what he did it was brutal yeah. and, uh, and horrifying we're still living with a lot of the legacy of that ideology we still, we've still got it you know, we've got ministers who, 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 who you know, work with Gove on education um, and um, we, we, we're still that, that ideology is, is still is still there um and influencing what's happening in education i'm I'm really concerned about what's happening in education yeah especially especially with the pandemic yeah well we're going to uh ha have some quite in-depth discussions about education it's something i'm passionate about too and um uh yeah we're really looking forward to that when we get around to it yeah so tom yeah over to you um when did you first become interested in politics? And would you say that you've become more left-wing as you've got older or less? Whoa, that's an interesting question. Um, well, I, I, I got really interested in politics very early on. I, I went to uh, uh, a very a grammar school, a uh, uh, very pretentious place. And... Um, uh, I, I, we lived in a small village and a half after, after junior school, half the kids went to grammar school and half the kids went to secondary modern. And the secondary modern and the grammar school were next door to each other. We had a fence between us and we weren't allowed to talk to each other. And I just thought, no, this isn't crap. This can't be right. And, um, and as time went on through that grammar school, I mean, I just, I suppose you could say I got, I don't know how to use the word, but I got radicalised, really. By the time I left that grammar school, I was, a, mm. I, I was had steam coming out of my ears, really. Uh, so that was what did it. But then I, I kind of got saved from politics, in a way, by uh, the, the 60s. I, I, I just drifted off out of school into the hippie scene. Um, now, the hippies... People don't realise this. They, that was a, a very political movement. Um, I think people think, oh, it's just fashion. But it actually, the basis of it was, was politics. Uh, you know, lots of really strong stuff came out of that era. Uh, environmentalism. Uh, 
all that stuff that we were anti. We were anti-Vietnam War. We were anti-racism. We we were uh, we were. I mean, German Greer came out of the hippie yeah. movement. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. People were engaged, weren't they, in the political process? Yeah, and absolutely. Activism. We had our, we, yeah. yeah, we we had our own media. We had uh, newspapers, magazines. Obviously, we were we were lucky also in that we had the music scene backing us up. Um, even though I, I mean, the, a lot of them were making money out of it. They were singing the right stuff, um, and uh, I mean, Gay Lib. The whole thing was very politicised and that's probably the most politically active I've been for those few years there before it just kind of drifted yeah. off into nothing. So, But as to whether I'm more left-wing now or not, that's a difficult one really. I've got... Uh, I'm... Uh, it's kind of different when you get old, isn't it? I, when, I was, <laughs> when I was young, I was thinking, yeah, this is the way to live and come on, everybody. Mm. Now you're thinking, oh my God, it's this is a tough gig. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think there's a school of thought. The older you get, you know, the more right wing you get. But it's been yeah. the opposite with me, to be honest. And, yeah, I uh, heard you say that earlier. I was yeah, interested in that. yeah, yeah. I can I I can really empathise with the grammar school bit because I I went to grammar school as well, and um, I, I I can really understand what you're saying. I'm now on the steering group for. Uh, comprehensive future campaign group mm. uh, with a great group of people who are you know it's it's amazing that we're still campaigning to end selection um, and you know we're two people that were you know part of that process and and seen the mm. injustice of it and and cruelty I would say um, of it you know to judge a 10 11 year old um, and 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 say to you know a, a big percentage you're not good enough you know yeah. <laughs> never mind the ones that pass what about the is it eighty percent that don't you know it's just just oh, awful um, yeah, no, yeah. Totally. so I can really empathise with that with that topic. okay Thelma my second question about education again <laughs> <laughs> did you often find yourself having to hide your politics in your career as a teacher. Um, yeah, more more so when I went into senior leadership, I have to say, um, because you know you're accountable to the whole of your community um, and and to the children. Um, I think it was pretty clear, um, you, you know, what what my politics were, um, but um, you you were accountable to the governing body in your role as a, as, as a head teacher. Um, but I must say that as a young teacher, because I started off in secondary and moved into primary, um, um, when um, the uh, the teachers were working to rule, as it were, um, I think it was mid eighties. Um, our house was round the corner from from the school, and um, and um, the teachers came out at lunchtime, and our house was the go to place for the teachers to to come and eat the lunch, and um, you know so. I wasn't exactly hiding my, <laughs> certainly, you could, might not call it politics, but certainly my activism and, and, uh, and solidarity with my, my colleagues. Um, so, um, yeah, I think, I think it was pretty clear, but I, I do think you have a responsibility uh, to, to put the, the children and the education and the communities, um, uh, you know, above. You, you can deliver your own political beliefs um, in different ways that's mm, what I'm mm, saying mm, uh, mm, I don't know if that makes sense but yeah, no, totally. um, people were aware and respected um, my politics um, but um, but I, I, I always tried to 
to live my politics, if you like, mm. um, and, and walk the talk in that way. Mm. Well, that's just being a professional person, isn't it, really? I, I, I think it is. I think it is, yeah. And, and I think, I'm, you know, linking up to when I was on the Education Select Committee, um, you work cross-party. We, we work cross-party on that. And no, I didn't agree with um, the ideology of the uh, Conservative MPs, you know, on, on that uh, Select Committee. Um, but I knew that that was how it was. And we, we did need to collaborate and cooperate and work together for the best outcome for for education. And that's professionalism, I believe. So, um, question for you, Tom. We've got um, all these challenges at the moment. We've got climate change, the pandemic, austerity, unemployment, all these things. But what gives you hope for the future? What gives me hope for the future, Thelma? What it is for me is that the potential for the human being is, is so beautiful and so huge. And the potential for the human race and for the planet is so amazing. I feel like surely that has to be the destiny. And if it's not the destiny, it's what we should be aiming for. And so that's what drives me. What gives me optimism is I spend a lot of time talking to young young people sort of in their 20s, 30s. They view things differently to the older sort of people, the older politicians and all those people that are running the show. They've got a much more global outlook and they, they're much more aware of the effect their lives are having on the planet. They're also more aware of what their lives are for, you know, that that they want to enjoy the the time they're here and they don't want to... And they're also really much more aware of the fact that they don't want to prevent other people from enjoying their lives. So I like all that stuff a lot. And and, it, and when I see it, it gives me hope. Yeah, I, I, that's... Yeah, it's lovely words there, Tom. I, th I think um, I'm the same. Uh, you know, I, I'm getting older now, but I look at... I look at... I mean, I loved working with children and young people and um, and I look at them, and my granddaughter as well, you know, and uh, we have grandma school half a day a week at the moment and uh, she's just filled with interest and curiosity and questions and... You know, I listen to young people now and I think, you know, it's their future. That's what keeps me going in politics um, and, and working in my community because it's their future, you know, and their interest in what's happening with climate change um, and, and their interest in, in society and in community. And this pandemic has, we've seen the worst of people, but we've seen the very best of people as well. And certainly in our local community here in Cone Valley, mutual aid organizations and all of that you know um you know people supporting each other um and um i you know it does give me optimism yeah, uh, for yeah. the future i i yeah. agree i really agree with you tom yeah, yeah. <coughs> uh, this this part of the human being uh, when i <laughs> i was talking to sarah my wife about this yesterday and she said i was talking to her about you know the the um 
the nature of the human being. What is the nature of the human being? And she, uh, she was saying actually, you know, some people think the nature of the human being is greed and 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 um, you know all this kind of striving to succeed and all that kind of stuff. I I don't really believe that. I think that's taught yeah. stuff. That's yeah. that stuff that gets put in. I think yeah. if you at the very beginning, the nature of the human being is something much more uh, generous and and giving. Yeah. I, I agree, Tom. I th- you know, it's like people aren't born racist, are they? Absolutely, <laughs> you know? absolutely. They're just not. And, no. um, you, you know, it's it's what... I, you know, I, I used to see some children when I worked in the school that in the deprived area, um, and you would see... It's quite a strong term, but you'd see one or two children that were actually brutalised in a way, you know? They're, they're yeah. innocent children at a very young age, and you'd see just life and, and how how they were treated change them um, mm. and change their attitudes. And um, I think that's, you know, that's back to education, but that's why I think mm. early years and parent outreach and all of that and spending, yeah. you know, early yeah. intervention is and public health is so important. Yeah. 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 Sorry. We could we could talk on this for for hours. Yeah. We? Well, well ho- ho- hopefully we will, Thelma. Hopefully, we will. <laughs> hopefully we will. Um. So. Uh, oh no. This is a this is an interesting question. Uh, well, I, I I hope you think it is anyway. Uh, so, in uh, how long before the result was announced did you realise that you were actually in with a chance of winning in the two thousand and seventeen election? Well, the the question um, I, I was asked most on the night of the election when the result had been announced was, um, are you in a state of shock? Um, which I was, obviously. But, <laughs> but are, are you shocked that, that you've won? And um, I, I always try... I don't think I'm an arrogant person at all. Um, I think, you know, humility is important with everybody. Um, but to be honest, I found it quite difficult to answer the different um, journalists who, who were asking me that question because I'd actually had a really strong sense that I was going to win or we were going to win the seat in Cone Valley a few weeks before. I'd, I'd kept it to myself because I was almost scared of saying it. Um, but it was out when we were door knocking and, and the activists that we talked about... Um, because there was such a strong belief in the manifesto policies, um, and we'd had a visit from Jeremy um, to to the well, the local park in in Cone Valley, and thousands had come, and it was just so uplifting, and there was almost like a spirit, uh, you know, um, that you'd, you'd be door knocking or walking down the road, and people would shout and say, "Hi, hi, somewhere I'm going to be voting for you," and. Um, and and you just had that feeling, and and the activists were raring to go every day to, to to knock on doors and to put up posters and to do all of that. So quite a few weeks before in two thousand and seventeen, I had this little secret inside me feeling. I think we can do this. I wow. think we can do it. And um, so the answer when I gave, oh, no, yes, it's a big surprise on the night, was me trying not to be arrogant and say, yeah, well, actually, I yeah, thought we were going to win. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. I was numb on the night. I'll never forget. I don't even, I don't even, um, sorry, I've just lost my point. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't even 
I don't even remember being on that platform giving my acceptance speech. I, I seem to remember saying I'm a socialist and proud to be so, but that's the only bit I remember. I was kind of numb, really. But, um, but yeah, it was wonderful. And just such a pity, such a pity that we just couldn't have got a few more seats. Um, mm. But there you go. Mm. No, it was, it was a great night. Yeah. Uh, Tom, just a, an interesting uh, question for you. Um, who would you say, living or dead, is your favourite politician? Okay. Well, uh, I mean, prior to... I mean, for most of my life, I would just say I, I dislike all politicians, to be honest. Um <laughs> But, I won't um, take that personally. <laughs> uh, not Thelma. I said for most of my life. <laughs> Wrongly, because obviously there's some really good people in, in amongst politicians, really good people. But I think for the ordinary person, it's like, you, you know, I think we've said this before in our private conversations, you know, there's a lot of snakes out there and, and a lot of the ordinary people just think, well, they're all snakes. And I, I fell in, into that category, really. Um, which is why I stayed away from politics. Um, but, you know, recently, I mean, I've got to say it, really. I mean, who's made the most difference? Who's, who stood up there and said the things I, I believe in and I agree with and, and, and made a huge difference on the political scene? And it has to be Jeremy, really, for me. I, 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 I can't see anyone that's come close, really. Um, I mean, I, I know I'm not into hero worship at all and I'm not into big leaders. I, I, I'm, I'm into people's people running the show. But, you know, we sometimes a figurehead has a big result and, and he did. And I know um, uh, he's been bullied by the MSM and what's happened has been hideous. And, uh, and, and I know now if you stand up and say you support Jeremy Corbyn, you, you get bullied too, uh, or at least I do. Um, uh, so it's, it's quite something that a lot of us keep quiet, you know, we just don't, we just go about our business, but in truth, that's my answer, Thelma, you know, um, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously I work with Jeremy, uh, John McDonnell and, uh, the front bench and, um, you know, I, I've just got immense respect for for most of them that, that, that yeah, were on that front absolutely. bench because it was really challenging times for them. Oh, um, tremendous. You know, because they, they didn't have the, the full support of some on the PLP and and yet they many of them did stick to the principles um and and did deliver uh, that you know uh, manifesto that I still so believe in. Um yeah. and um, and, and I think the bravery, the bravery of, of Jeremy, John and others um, on that front bench uh, to stick by your principles um, and to, to be committed to, to uh, socialism. Um, I, I, you know, I, I agree with you, I think is... Um, and and the, fa the fact that um, Jer Jeremy's still bugging them still still in that in you know yeah. his uh opponent's heads he <laughs> it's not gone away it's it's what i've mentioned before you know kind of um that that manifesto and those policies have been seen and they can't be unseen yeah so i know jeremy would say it's not about me 
Um, yeah. it, oh, totally. It, it, and that... It's about the movement. And, um, and I think, or, you know, John would say the same thing, that the, the, the front branch, uh, or some of them, uh, most of them, would say the same thing. This is about a movement. Um, and that's what can't get out of opponents' heads. <laughs> that it's yeah, still that's there. what's scaring them. That's what's scaring uh, them. They're, they're and it's, all yes, still it here. is. And it's what's <laughs> needed now. It's it's definitely um, what's needed. Now. Those policies are needed more than ever. Um, yeah. Uh, we're in that manifesto. I think yeah. people realise that now. But what what's also. Um, interesting is is that as time's gone by and as we've actually seen what was happening behind the scenes during those few years and and still what's going on now the the the, the bullying and the smearing the 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 strength of character of those people that stood there and and stuck to their beliefs like you say and even now, I take my hat off to the guys that are still doing it. You know, R Richard Bergen stands up there and he says what he thinks and people have a go and he just stands up there and he says what he thinks. And, and, and there are a lot like him. Thank, thank goodness there are a lot like him because if it was me, I'd be slinking off and thinking, I'll just do my garden, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, they are brave. Um, they, they are really brave. And I think, yeah. uh, you know, it, it is very hurtful when you read or hear things where they say all politicians are the same. Yeah. That used to hurt me because obviously I'd had my career. I didn't, I didn't go into Parliament for a career move at my stage in life. I, I, mm. I did it because, as I mentioned before, I, I wanted to change things, especially in education. Mm. And I'm trying to do it still in, in, in a different way, mm. in speaking to you and you mm. know, engaging yeah. in this way. Yeah. Um, so you can bring about change in different ways. But I, you know, I hate it when people generalise and say all oh, politicians are yeah. greedy and evil and corrupt. They're not. There's some amazing people yeah. um, who I, I have immense respect for. Yeah. I take that on board now, Thelma, I do. It's just, honestly, when you, you just get the MSM view or whatever, uh, yeah. or a general view of, and you're not involved, and you just think politicians, bleh. But I take well, it on well, board. Yeah, but when former colleagues let you down as well, you know, by being this kind of weather vane, as Tony Benn talked about, you know, um, mm. where they see which way things are going and, and whoever they've been supporting, suddenly they drop them and move on. And, um, and it, there seems to be self-interest there. And I, I, that, that upsets me mm. um, and disappoints me. Mm. Um, and, and that's what gives other politicians a bad name as well, really. Yeah. Mm. Okay, Thelma, question four. So I know this from the brief time I've known you. You're always busy. <laughs> How do you unwind and relax? Well, it depends whether I'm in lockdown or not. Um, I mean, what we're fortunate here in Combe Valley is um, I love walking and we live just at the bottom of a hill that goes straight up onto the moors. Um, so, uh, you know, I love um, walking up on, onto the moors. That's, that's how I'm, I mainly relax. I do find it quite hard to switch off. I mean, those of you who follow me on social media will know I'm quite, you know, if I'm watching something, I'm scrolling and um, it drives my husband mad, I have to say, that bit of me. I'm a bit hyper, but, <laughs> but I do I enjoy that as well. But the walking on the moors, 
Um, when we're not in lockdown, family are really important to me. Um, and and I'm, ter- I'm missing them terribly at the moment. Mm. Um, yeah. so, so that's hard. Um, so that's, uh, you know, walking, seeing dear friends, uh, having a nice meal together, glass of wine, mm. um, reading when I can, uh, especially in lockdown, that's good. Um, but uh, yeah, I do, I do, I do do an awful lot of things. I'm I'm learning Italian at the moment as well. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, I have a class once a week, and um, but because I'm doing all these other things, um, I'm not doing my homework. So it's quite funny, really, as a former head teacher. Uh, that my teacher um, keeps uh, well she doesn't tell me off exactly but you know it's quite clear that I haven't done my homework from the previous yeah. week so it's a, a bit of a role reversal in my Italian class at the moment yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. so you're a bad student yeah yeah I, I always was a bit um, I think that's why I was really good with the um, scallywags in my classes really because I kind of could see where they were coming from you yeah know you that? see that point you view. know I kind of thought oh yeah I'd have been like that you know so yeah. <laughs> I was often one step ahead of them <laughs> and I yeah. thought yeah I used to do that yeah and uh, and that humor always works I think uh, with the Nazi okay Thelma we've reached the end of the podcast well, it's been absolutely great talking to you, Tom. And um, I can't wait till next week uh, when we've got our first guest. And it's somebody I know really well, a friend and former colleague, Rebecca Long-Bailey, who was uh, Shadow Secretary of State for Education um, and uh, worked with Jeremy on the front bench. And uh, uh, so I am so looking forward uh, to uh, talking to Becky and yeah, uh, and obviously she's a she's a, a fellow uh, northerner yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you'll, you'll have two strong northern women yeah. <laughs> on the I'll, show I'll, next I'll, week I'll be Tom. very quiet I'll be very quiet <laughs> next week. so yeah really excited about uh, having Becky on the show next week excellent excellent so if 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 anybody has any questions that you'd like to ask Thelma or Rebecca next week or any suggestions for topics that you would like us to discuss, please contact the show on thelmaandtom at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please remember to like and share and add us to your playlist. We're looking forward to meeting up with you all next week. And a big thank you to my co-host, Thelma Walker. I've really enjoyed your company, Thelma. Thank you. Me too, Tom. It's been great talking to you. And uh, looking forward to next week. Thank you for listening to us. I hope you know a little bit more about us and I hope you join us next week. Um, Keep well and solidarity.